0: We do what we do because it's a labor of love. We are passionate about what we do. It's just that I'm doing this for these animals and for the concept that I want to be able to reach more and more people with the idea of compassion and kindness, both to the animals and to each other. Hi, I'm Kathy Halamka, and you're entering a world gone good.
1: Well, hello. My name's Steve, and I welcome you as we open the door to another episode of World Gone Good. The world seems dark at times, yes? Well, what we do here is find the light and or shine the light into the deep, dark places, and together we find that there is still so much good happening You can make more good happen by sharing our podcast, subscribing on whatever platform you listen on, rating and or reviewing us by doing any and or all of these options. You help us spread the good. And as always, we say thank you for that. Okay, it's no secret. I've shared this before with you if you've listened and tuned in Our dream is to open a senior dog sanctuary or farm or just a house where a bunch of old four-legged friends lay on me on the couch and we just watch Netflix and I drink wine. Um, I don't know, maybe I just am a big uh, wine drinker who wants buddies to join me who won't drink more of my wine like I keep it for myself. You get it. Okay, this is our idea of heaven. So I'm always inspired and a little jealous of the people out there who are already living our dream, like our friends at Vintage Pet Rescue and The Gentle Barn. Shameless plug, you can scroll back in our show history and find both of these amazing episodes, no surprise here. They are at the top of our two most downloaded episodes of all time which means I am not alone in my love of animals, and therefore there are other people out there who also share our dream. Can I get an amen? I know I did from a few of you, right? Kathy Halamka, along with her husband John, is one of those people living our collective dream. They are the guiding forces behind Unity Farm Sanctuary in Massachusetts, and this is their good life and good story. Kathy Halamka, you are the queen, owner, <laughs> president <laughs> of Unity Farm Sanctuary. Where in Massachusetts are you?
0: That would be the the chief um, mucking person, too. You know, it's like, uh, what do they call that? Uh, chief cook and bottle washer? Well, we, we muck a lot of paddocks, too. So, um Sherborne, Massachusetts is not too far out of Boston, um, about 17 miles to be exact. And we, uh, that was very purposeful because so many sanctuaries are uh, located more remotely because land is so much more affordable. But we wanted to be able to have as many people reach us as possible and really focus in on humane education. And what is your background? My background is a f- as a fine artist with an MFA from the School of the Museum of Fine Arts, Tufts University. So it uh, may at first glance seem somewhat quizzical, but my husband and I, John Halamka, has been, we've been vegan for almost two decades now. So there's, uh, there's a sensible connection right there. However, as part of my artistic life, I actually was an educator. So I taught at the college level for photography or printmaking, other art classes and things like that. And we actually also have an entrepreneurial background too. So we're thinking of Unity Farm Sanctuary as a community engagement startup so that people are involved, people learn, people feel better after they've been here. All of that is really important to both of us.
1: That's so great because you have all many of the pieces of the puzzle, maybe not all, but many of them going for you because that's like one of the hardest things when anyone thinks I'm going to start a business.
0: Oh, yes. And a sanctuary, if you go the route of being a 501c3, which is a charity from the IRS's standpoint, we're a corporation. We have transparent books that have to be very carefully run. You can't just be wishy-washy and hope that, uh you know, your receipts are... um uh, maybe there you have to be very attentive you have to be good at business and you have to be able to understand how to fundraise and um, do right by your donors and by the people who depend on you in which case that's our 60 mammals and our 220 birds my
1: god all right let's go <laughs> yes, way back <laughs> yeah, we gotta we gotta go way back here okay. because you obviously have a love of animals yes. what was your very first pet
0: so I did not have a lot of animals when I was young. I grew up in Los Angeles in a small place, and I uh, I was one of those horse-crazy six-year-olds. And uh, although it took me 50 years to be able to start caring for my first pony, I, uh, I feel like, uh, you know, you can just wait it out. It happens. But my very first uh, companion animal was a cat when I went to college, and I had my own apartment. After that, I did not actually have a companion dog until I was close to 30. Wow. I know. And farm animals have not really been a part of my life until 2012. But we are fast learners. We um, we love to read. We love to research. And we love to pull in the people around us who have working
1: knowledge. Where did you meet your husband?
0: First day of college at Stanford University in 1980. Nice. Okay. Oh, yeah. We've been together since that first week.
1: Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's one of the farm animals. I get it. I get it.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> when does a moment like a light bulb moment happened for something like this. Was there a moment when you were like, Hey, I think we need to know what to do here. Or was it kind of the way when I spoke to uh, Ellie over at the gentle barn, where it just sort of built itself. It just started where she rescued a goat and then she blinked her eyes and her backyard was filled with animals.
0: I think it's a combination of both of those things. So we moved to this location in 2012 and pretty quickly we're rescuing animals. We had um, some poultry, some chickens, and we had uh, some alpaca. And then we adopted a mini pig from the MSPCA, our local humane society. And then... Um, not a light bulb moment, but a, a moment of light bulb for opportunity was when my neighbor moved two years later, my next door neighbor, and her property became available for sale. Oh, wow. And we just brainstormed on first of all, how do you come up with a down payment? It's hard enough to own one property. <laughs> um, and then what do you do? How do you craft it? What do we want with that? And, uh, we we kept uh, refining our ideas and working with uh, the prior owner, and it all finally came together in December of 2016. And the very first day, the MSPCA had been holding three goats for us that had been rescued from a backyard butchering operation in Lawrence, Mass. And lo and behold, here they are now, um, fan favorites over in the goat and the sheep
1: area. So when it started, was it just you guys collecting animals or did you come up with the name? Because I want to get there for a second. Where did the name Mm -hmm. come from and when did the name come into play?
0: We love the word unity um, because it's, it's something that uh, evokes the idea of community and working together. But the um, actual origin of the name comes from uh, a building that was built in the 1850s, moved a quarter mile up the road to our location um, in 1958, and it was the Unity Church Hall. And uh, the lane that we ha- live on is Unity Lane, And it seemed very natural to call it Unity Farm Sanctuary, in in essence, trying to build community and build consensus and build a place where people truly want to be.
1: So you are open to the public, then?
0: We are. We have been since May of last year. Everything we do has been outside. Uh, We have currently over four hundred volunteers. And we do um, guided tours every weekend. Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't even stop it during the winter, which we normally do, because people kept calling me for private tours so that people wanted to see what we were doing and um, get outside and be healthy.
1: Yeah, I wanted to ask you that because before we started recording, we just you were mentioning it's raining where you are. So how does the weather on the East Coast f- factor into the sanctuary?
0: Oh, it absolutely does. I I don't know, um, you know, I've lived in Southern California, so I know a lot about uh, the heat. Right. Um, and unfortunately, I also know about the wildfires that can happen in those kinds of climates. But here, we definitely have a cold winter, right? Right, right. So, you know, we have to get prepared for water sources that don't freeze and bedding and all sorts of protections for the animals. People ask me, and I I love answering this one, because they say, do they feel the cold? Do our animals feel the cold? And do they feel pain? Of course they do. They absolutely feel the cold and the pain. However, uh, if you take a look at our um, Scottish Highland bull, he is uniquely designed for this kind of climate, and he's probably out there just hanging out in the rain today. (laughs) However, yeah, I mean, he is, you know. um,
1: (laughs) He's on your website. He's got two giant horns.
0: Yes, that's him. You, you, you picked him right out of the lineup the lineup. there. <laughs> um, and yes, those are called danger prongs. Of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily he's a gentle sweetheart, but he can inadvertently poke you. So uh, that's that's the only reason he doesn't live with his other forever friends. He loves the cows, but he, um, he can share a fence and they uh, can communicate. But um, so talking about the rain, The ducks, they're out there swimming because it's not wet enough for them today. But the chickens are sitting on my porch looking at me with kind of a sense of disgust. Like, who ordered the weather,
1: mom, please? (laughs) So let me ask you this. Honestly, is there ever a moment, was there ever a moment where either you or your husband are like, what were we thinking?
0: (laughs) You know, there's always moments like that. I mean, um, because
1: every one of us has that yeah. moment in our regular life, right? So In your
0: regular life. It's it's always like that. Um, and it's usually when, um, um, I think it's close enough when at night right now, um, I, our, our water bird coop is called the Quacker's Coop. And at night... We have to make sure that all of the birds are tucked in and safe at night. And right in the spring, the geese are singularly uncooperative because they're a little crabby. They want to lay eggs and they don't want any of the, the ducks around them. So getting everybody to go in, I feel like it's um, herding cats. There's another analogy there. <laughs> And it can take a lot longer, and it, I usually do it alone. But right now, I am I have to have help because nobody wants to cooperate. And um, believe me, chasing a duck is
1: very unrewarding.
0: <laughs> They're faster than you.
1: They can fly. <laughs> now, on that note, too, and this is an honest question, mm. when do you go on vacation? I get asked that a lot. And
0: we actually part of that planning back in 2014, we decided, uh, particularly myself, that we really didn't want to travel any longer. I have traveled um, a little bit, not a lot. I've been to Peru and Bolivia and Canada and Europe and Japan and uh, parts of Asia. So I I have enjoyed travel a lot. But Um, I am really ready to just be in the one place in the world where I don't actually like to go off property if I can help it. A happy day for me is when I don't have to drive away. My husband, he still travels to Minnesota for his office. So a little bit of traveling there, but even he would prefer to stay here.
1: Now, honestly, when somebody takes on an endeavor like this and you're relying on the public, um for support financially speaking w- how do you guys get by how do you make the sanctuary keep running this is your chance to pitch <laughs> there you go
0: <laughs> perfect so you know we do what we do because it's a labor of love we are passionate about what we do and because we are so passionate about our choice here i can reach out and i can make my please for assistance from donors, supporters, and everyone else who just meeting us for the first time um, from my honest heart. So it's never insincere. It's just that I'm doing this for these animals and for the concept that I want to be able to reach more and more people with the idea of compassion and kindness, both to the animals and to each other. So It takes a lot of planning and thinking about fundraising. You have to be diligent and attentive and you have to take it seriously. And, um, it's, it's just as important as virtually any other hat I wear here.
1: Now we started to talk about how many animals you have in the (laughs) numbers, but where do they come from? Do you seek them out or do people call you? Oh, I don't seek any animal
0: out directly. Sure. <laughs> um, so it is true that there are rescues that work um, perhaps to um, get surrenders from uh, commercial operations. There are rescues that might be involved in the pra- uh, practice of going to livestock auctions, etc. However, we um, actually have to say no virtually every day to some animal in need. And what I choose to do is build a network of resources so that I can reach out to all the other sanctuaries on the East Coast. Um, I can use social media and I can post pictures, links, and really try to find safe forever homes where no animals at threat of being eaten um, or coming under any harm. So um, there are so many animals that need help they really do. And it's my dream really to be obsolete. I know that sounds really strange, but I would really like it if I wasn't needed for these amazing farmed animals that um, I love so much.
1: It's really incredible that you weren't as much of a farm animal person and now you've become one.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yes. And, um, you know, once your eyes are opened, uh, and you become vegan uh, and vegan is a philosophy. So I like to say that I am vegan philosophically and I eat an all plant diet so that I view those as two somewhat side by side and separate things. And uh, I think that people should be clear about that because I don't think people move in and out of veganism casually, that it's it's a belief and, and comes straight from the heart because once you your eyes are opened to what's happening out there I don't think you can close those eyes any longer
1: it's also an environmental and ecological um belief for the planet and and gift Mm -hmm. it's a gift to the planet and that's why like I I have so many people who make fun of my husband and me and we take it you know with ease it's it's lessened up I have to say in the last couple years because I I became a vegan uh, I called it an almost vegan cause I did have fish a few times. I'm not going to lie to you, mm-hmm. Kathy. I'm going to tell you the truth. Um, but yep. it happened <laughs> January 1st, um, 2014. It was the like three days after we got married and mm-hmm. he had already been a vegan. My God, he was a vegan five, six years before me. Okay. And one of the one of the reasons for me was also like I, I saw it and it took me some time to wean myself off of chicken and wean myself off of, you know, steaks mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But part of me, too, was just tired of making two different dinners, like us constantly have to him saying, I don't want to go there.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> it always helps when, um, you know, the, the cook is deciding what's <laughs> going to be, be made. And I'm thinking back on something Gary Yourofsky said where nobody stops eating meat because they don't like the taste. That's not usually the right easy way to go because flavor is there, right? Um, That's why these wonderful options that are out there like beyond meat and all of those substitutes that try to mimic the flavor are having some um, direct impact on people who are not vegan. So I'll take any win for any animal that doesn't have to suffer.
1: I will add this in, in a very vain way. Um, I have so many people who cannot believe I'm 51 years old. And oh, yes. I believe yeah. a big part of that is because <laughs> I stopped eating meat, chicken, fish, all of it. And I Absolutely. think that has a lot to do with how my skin looks. Mm-hmm. You know, If somebody could help yeah. me grow more hair on the top of my head, that'd be great. Uh...
0: <laughs> uh, I don't have any answers for you there. <laughs>
1: So let's have a fun conversation for a moment here. I want to know the craziest animal rescue story that's ever happened to Unity Farm Sanctuary.
0: Oh, that has to be Pal. Pal McTrouble. And (laughs) and you probably don't even need to hear the rest of it. (laughs) That's that's the story. (laughs) I know. So Pal McTrouble is an adorable, now he's two and a half, um, he's an adorable belted Galloway, steer. So when when you hear that um he's also uh you could describe him as an Oreo cow. Have you ever seen those? Yes. Okay. So he uh was 7 months old. He was brought to the slaughterhouse one town over and he spotted the employee door open a crack and he booked it right out the door. <laughs> he's gone. He's he says I don't like it. I'm out of here he is so wily, this one. And about 10 days later, some of the neighbors called my farm manager and said, gee, can you help us out here? Because no one's trying to catch this fellow. And I don't really want to send my kids out to play in the yard anymore. Um, Anyway, so we did. And it took five hours with Teams of uh, people on the ground keeping an eye on him so that we never lost sight of him. And three cars, which included the trailer. We finally kind of cornered him at a horse barn in the local town right one over. And so we got him into the trailer. Awesome. Bring him back. It's 10 o'clock at night. And, um, you know, we popped him into the alpaca barn because we're tired and we don't really want to try and integrate him anywhere that fast. In the morning, we wake up and we go into the barn and he's nowhere to be found. And we're thinking, okay, there's no broken windows. The doors are shut. What did he do? Houdini? (laughs) So then we went up the stairs. (laughs) He walked into the loft upstairs, the hayloft. Wow. Wow. Cows can go upstairs. Can't go down. They don't really go down very well. <laughs> so he was pal during the, you know, hey, pal, care, pal, when we were uh, trying to catch him right. the day before. And he, he became pal McTrouble as we gently tried to get him down the stairs without breaking a leg. Um, so he has a happy ending, of course, because he gets to stay with us. And better yet, it took us a full year for him to trust us. He had no reason to trust human beings, but our volunteers spent a lot of time. And now um, it's been uh, like a year and a half at this point. You can brush him. You can touch him. You can lean on him. He is, he's trusting and he believes in us. So I'm very happy.
1: Do you know that um, chair that some elderly people have that let them like ride up and down stairways?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Is that how you got him down? Did I miss the part of how you got him down?
0: <laughs> no, I didn't detail that. But, you know, what you do is you don't want to scare him. Right. So we went up there and we had um, a piece of plywood that we were gripping so that we gently and slowly and quietly pushed him toward the stairs until he took his first step. And then we just blocked his way and he kept going. The key was not to scare him.
1: This is very similar to how we taught our dogs in our old s- house in Palm Spring. We had these slatted wood stairs that were planks of wood that you, s- mm-hmm. you could see right through the, the center. They were just dogs planks of wood. Dogs don't like that. They <laughs> hate that. So I had to teach even my bravest dog at the time, Hubie, who was a lab pit bull who was unstoppable. She was so, she was determined, Was I used to call that dog, an 80-pound dog. And I would like, she'd go up two steps and run back down. I go, and I keep sitting up another, and I had like a treat. And I get a three, four, and finally she made it to the top. Down, they had no problem with. It was the up when they saw through, which I think is is very interesting.
0: Exactly. Yep. i've I've seen that before. How much hay
1: do you guys go through in a month?
0: <laughs> Over six tons every single month. How is that possible? I know. And I love to remind people what goes in must come out. I was about to say. <laughs> We have a lot of cleanup on aisle three. Let's just put it that way.
1: So honestly, though, so you, you, they, these animals eat all this, and this is a question I've always wanted to know, where does all the manure go?
0: So in our case, we compost it mm-hmm. because we're trying to be as eco as possible. Between 2012 and 2016, we were actually a certified organic farm. We grew uh, vegetables. We still have uh, 40 apple trees and Stone fruit, 180 blueberries, that sort of thing. So we want to be as ecological as possible and we compost. We'll use it here. Um, you know, I, I would, uh, promote veganic growing as much as possible, but we actually still have all of this composted manure. So we're going to utilize it and try to get it out to other people too.
1: Uh, people can, support you online they can sponsor animals specific ones
0: absolutely that's been very popular Um, people can come on to our website and uh, under our meet the animals section of our website uh, not only can you read the stories of every animal but you can click on um, camera icons that allow you to look at their live webcams any time of day And you can click on their support the animal button, which would allow you to perhaps consider um, donating on a monthly basis. Some of our favorite kinds of donations are people who, um, for the cost of a couple of lattes, would support an animal for um, more than one month, like doing a monthly sponsorship. Those really, really help us feel confident that we have a lot of public support.
1: And where do we pick up the hot fireman calendar with the animals?
0: (laughs) So last year we did a very special calendar. I was just totally
1: kidding. I was totally kidding. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yo I yes yeah, so um, I will have to send you some of the images I I, I know that they're in our social media and and uh, it used to be on our web store but we did a special project that took two years and it was in collaboration with two professional photographers and uh, they're both vegan and another sanctuary and a lot of vegan, um, healthy people, bodybuilders. It was fantastic. There's an awful lot of amazing vegan tattoos and all of our sweet animals. That was a great project. Um, upcoming this year, uh, you might end up with just Mr. Dudley, um, all by himself on a page and maybe some of our other sweethearts too.
1: We close these shows with three questions. Don't worry. You know all the answers. (laughs) Okay. Your favorite one is the first one. It's easy. Where do people find you? Where do people support Unity Farm Sanctuary?
0: So people can find us all over the place, actually. I work pretty hard. I am not on TikTok yet, but um, don't... Don't Don't count uh, you out. Don't (laughs) count me out because I just had a volunteer who's reached out to me saying that they would be willing to... um, prepare things for TikTok. I literally just don't have enough time in a day to do all of the social media channels, but we have our website, which is unityfarmsanctuary.org. That's our our best landing place. And you can actually sign up with your email to get our monthly blog and our monthly e-news, which is called Updates from Unity. And then we're on Facebook and I don't know if you know this, but Dudley, the Scottish Highland Bull, has his own Facebook and Instagram page. And uh, of course, we're on Instagram as Unity Farm Sanctuary, Twitter, um, YouTube. See, we're kind of all over. But um, I didn't quite catch on to Snapchat, but I'm going to try TikTok.
1: (laughs) The second to last question I ask everyone, it can feed back to something or anything we've already talked about. it. It doesn't have to even be about what you do. Who inspires you?
0: You know, I actually am inspired by my husband, and I say that because I don't think I've met anybody else who is as selfless and as dedicated to helping others as John. Everything he does is to try and help and do more for others, and he uh, actually was the first of us to go vegan. My daughter was the first vegetarian. Um, I was the cook, so I became uh vegan because I was the cook and uh, also watched a lot of those uh, wonderful documentaries that uh, eye-opening happens. But um, John dedicates all of his time and would travel around the world trying to help other countries with healthcare topics, and he's still doing it today. So um, when he's tired and he's had a full day of Zoom here, he still goes out and he fixes a fence. He'll go out and, and take care of the animals. He is tireless, and there's just uh, such a, an amazing spirit there. There's a lot of people out there who can inspire us, but uh, I have somebody very close to home that I'm very, uh, very proud of.
1: I'm very lucky to have.
0: I am very lucky to have.
1: The final question. Again, it can go back to anything we've talked about, anything that's in your head or heart. It's really simple. Tell me something good.
0: Something good is that it is possible to do good and be good so easily. All we have to do is look at every positive thing that's out there. Don't dwell on the negative. I mean, we're not going to ignore that things happen um, and we want to advocate for things to get better. But if you and your spirit actually focus on the good and you'll manifest it, it'll, it can happen. You just have to really want it and you have to work for it.
1: Thank you, Kathy, for sharing your good. If you want to share some good with Unity Farm Sanctuary, go visit their website, follow them on social media. And you know what? There are all of these animals in need. So do some good, you know, sponsor an animal, get to know them, make some good happen. Yes, next time on world gone good I love movies I just love movies and there's some movies I love more than others and I get a thrill for different reasons Black Panther and Avengers Endgame those last two movies I saw that were completely like took me back to being a kid and being back to being connected to a room full of strangers What's good about a good movie? Better yet, what's good about a craptacular movie? We're gonna find out when we speak with the team from Cinema Craptaculous, my friends Stephanie Coggins, John Ford, and Dave Humphreys. And yes, I put them in alphabetical order so they won't think I'm playing favorites. They all know who my favorite is. We'll let them figure that out amongst themselves. These three enjoy taking the deep dive into guilty pleasures and movies so bad. They're actually quite good. So yes, I am talking Sharknado's but uh we're gonna get some good movie talk going on and i think you love movies and think you have a couple guilty pleasures of your own that you might want to admit you'll find out what mine is uh i'll spoil it right now bring it on okay i hope you'll join me until then be good